Please be seated. Where was Jesus at nine o'clock on Wednesday night? Where was he when Taiwanza Sanders, a barber, Sharonda Coleman Singleton, a minister, speech therapist, and track coach, Cynthia Hurd, a librarian, DePayne Middleton Doctor, Clementa Pinckney, Daniel Lee Simmons, all ministers. Myra Thompson, visiting from a nearby Anglican church. Ethel Lee Lance, the church sexton. And Susie Jackson, an 87-year-old matriarch of church and family. Where was he when they were shot dead? Where was Jesus when Felicia Sanders and her five-year-old granddaughter lay on the floor playing dead to survive, covered in the spilled warm blood of their friends and family? It's been almost a year since Michael Brown was shot in Ferguson, Missouri. And since that time, a litany of names has amassed Eric Garner, Tamir Rice, Freddie Gray, John Crawford III, Walter Scott, black men, and in one case, a boy, killed while unarmed by police. And in some of these cases, white folks, like most of us here, have had a little cover. Maybe these were isolated incidents or examples of a few bad apples or mistakes made under pressure. And what about black-on-black -black crime anyway? Well, I don't know of any place more serious about black-on-black -black crime than the black church. A dozen or so people gathered at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church to study Mark 4, 16 through 20. You know this one, the parable of the sower scattering seed on the rocky ground, in the thorns, and in good soil. They welcomed in a young white man, and together they studied with a betrayer in their midst, trying to discern how to bear fruit in the world. Jesus Christ Almighty, we just prayed a few minutes ago, you never fail to help those whom you have set on the firm foundation of your loving kindness. Where were you? My doubts and my questions are nothing new. From the very beginnings of the church, Christians have wrestled with persecution and Jesus who has failed to return on schedule. For two millennia, we have lived with the tension between the work of salvation already being completed through the resurrection 
and the objective fact that we still live in a dangerous, imperfect world. Now, I don't know the answer to this. I don't have Jesus' alibi. But here are a few things that I do know. After a long day of teaching, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat. The evening had come and it was dark. And they set sail across the sea under stars and the shadows of clouds. On a cushion in the stern of the boat, Jesus went to sleep. A great windstorm arose and the disciples, scared, woke Jesus up, crying, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus got up and rebuked the wind. And the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. Coming here this morning to this mostly white congregation, as a white man myself, none of us, I am sure, thinking of ourselves as racist. Many of us justly proud of the fact that this was the first Episcopal church in Indianapolis to integrate. Many of us troubled by the fact that that's mostly history now. Saying that we need to repudiate racism when we did the right thing in a big way once, it's a slap in the face. And besides, it seems as fruitless as rebuking the wind. But if you are troubled by our present times, the fact that do you not care that we are perishing manifests itself in some quarters as Black Lives Matter. And if we look outside ourselves for someone else to calm the storm, know that while Jesus is capable, he puts the responsibility back on the disciples back on us, saying, have you still no faith? In our baptismal covenant, we promise to do some uncomfortable things that we kind of like not to focus on because they sound, frankly, medieval. Do you renounce Satan and the spiritual for forces of wickedness that rebel against God? Do you renounce the evil powers of this world that corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? Call it Satan, call it demons, don't person personify it at all, but let's identify racism for what it is, evil. And it's a subtle, malevolent evil. You know, we can see that a man who shoots nine people in a church, well, that's obviously evil. But what about the shadow over our hearts that allows his friend to see racist comments as only so many jokes? Or what about me? A couple months ago, I was awaiting an early morning flight. It was the morning after the police officer in North Charleston had been arrested for murder, for shooting Walter Scott in the back. A white woman in the airport lounge was saying loudly to no one in particular, 
Well, he had been arrested ten times. Who's going to miss him? And I sat, working on my laptop, pretending I didn't hear. Because confronting evil would have been rude and inconvenient. Racism connives to corrupt relationships among the people of God by sowing suspicion between law enforcement and the communities who need them most. And the massacre in Charleston shows evil's attempt not just to destroy lives, but to perpetuate itself by thwarting reconciliation. You see, the Bible study group welcomed their betrayer in. He sat with them, studying scripture for one hour before turning his rage on those who had given hospitality to a stranger. The next day, noted pastor and blogger Christian Pyatt wrote a piece called The Danger of All Are Welcome, where he inquired about the balance between radical welcome and keeping people safe. At what point should a church decide that employing armed guards is consistent with spreading the gospel? The massacre in Charleston can say to us that despite our signs saying, everyone is welcome, the sign that marks the integration of this parish or the more recent sign saying, saying, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have entertained angels unawares. And yet nonetheless, say that despite those signs, the stranger is to be neither trusted nor welcomed. If you read the comments on the WTHR story, about our participation in the Pride Parade. I didn't, but I heard. That kind of welcome might sound like a riskier proposition than what we signed up for. But how much worse is it that we, good people seeking reconciliation, if we as white people enter a black space may justifiably be perceived first with suspicion, perceived as a threat. It is this kind of discord that the evil one seeks as he slithers through our society and flits in and out of our hearts. While we seek to say that all are one in Christ Jesus, evil tells us to look out for ourselves. This is evil, and we must renounce it. There is some encouragement in this. Where were Jesus and his disciples headed over the stormy sea that night? It was to the land of the Gerasenes. There they encountered a man possessed by demons howling among the tombs. Jesus asked the demon within the man, what is your name? 
I am legion, for we are many, the demon said. And Jesus cast the demon out, exercised him into a herd of pigs, and they ran into the sea and they drowned. Through the Holy Spirit, this same ability to fight evil has been given to us. Though it may be less of a miracle and more of a patient, slow grind. If Jesus was anywhere on Wednesday night, he was welcoming a stranger in and then betrayed, he was lying dead on the floor. But we are a resurrection people. We know how this story will end. Even as we recommit ourselves to renouncing evil, to repenting of unwitting complicity in a system that values one set of lives over another, Today, let us join our worship and prayers in honor of a God who shares in all suffering. And for my part, if my faith should falter, let me remember that at this very moment, the people of Emmanuel AME are gathered together to praise God at the very spot where their brothers and sisters laid down their lives and returned to the Lord. May they and we at the last be made worthy of Paul's words. We have commended ourselves in every way through great endurance in affliction hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God. We are treated as impostors and yet are true as unknown, yet are well-known, as dying, and see, we are alive. With the help of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may it be so.